Welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast, where we talk to C-level leaders from across the payments landscape. We'll be discussing the products and services that impact the payment space today, as well as trends and predictions for the future of payments. We will also hear stories from our guests about their journeys to the top. So Link to Pay is a payment technology company, deliver credit card, ACH, and check processing automation, as well as some payment integration tools to software partners. We serve B2B as well as B2C customers. We offer a white label payment solution platform for banks, channel partners, and those clients of those channel partners. Bill Lotus, Chief Revenue Officer at link to pay and he is our special guest this week. This is episode 62 of the Leaders in Payments podcast, and I'm your host, Greg Myers. And hey, before we get started, if you happen to office in Houston, Austin, or North Texas, check out Fuse Workspace, where their mission is to help others do more. Check them out at fuseworkspace.com. Okay, back to the show. Bill was born in New York and comes from a family of entrepreneurs. Bill learned the value of hard work at his dad's own restaurant, where he also learned the details of opening and operating a small business, from the pot sink to being a bartender to a line cook. Link to Pay is a payment technology company that provides credit and debit card processing, ACH, and payment integration tools to software partners, as well as offers a white-label payments platform to banks, channel partners, and more. One of the ways Link to Pay differentiates themselves is to really understand the pain points of their partners and customers and then build the technology to help them solve those pain points. Bill has some great insights into the future of payments based on behavioral changes of consumers. We've got a great episode today, so let's get started. Hi, Bill. Thank you for being here and welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast. Thank you, Greg. It's a pleasure to be here. So let's dive right in. Tell our audience a little bit about yourself, maybe where you grew up, where you went to school, where you currently live, a few things like that. Sure. Pleasure. So a little bit of background about myself. So I was born in Terrytown, New York, about 45 minutes north of New York City, and spent the first 10 years or so of my life in that surrounding area. I came from a family of entrepreneurs. My grandfather, who owned several dry cleaning stores before going into the restaurant business, and my other paternal grandfather started his own toy company and had several hits back in the early Nintendo accessory marketing days. My father, who graduated from the Culinary Institute of America, who held the position of executive chef at my grandfather's restaurant before realizing his own dream of opening his own restaurant. And he did just that. So he's opened his own restaurant in uh, his own place in southern New Hampshire. And it is in my father's restaurant that I learned business early on. And this is predating POS or any technology. So I really saw firsthand what it took to open a business, a true startup, and receive the -the on-the-job training, if you will, for how a small business is started and operated in a very competitive space. You know, literally learning the ropes, (laughs) starting from the pot sink to waiter to bartender, and then ultimately working as a line cook as my dad was struggling starting a new business, wanting to give some of the cooks a night off to save in some employee compensation. He trained me so that I could jump in and give some relief on the financial side. And really, I took that experience working in the restaurant and startup business, and I went further north where I attended the University of New England in Portland, Maine, where I studied business while minoring in marketing. When I got out of school, I began my career in financial services 
were first at a stock transfer agency, learning the equities and mutual fund business, and then moving into the wealth management side of the finances and family services with State Street Bank and Trust in Boston, Massachusetts. It's State Street that would ultimately be the springboard into my entry into traditional payments. They had moved me out to their West Coast office, and and while working out of the West Coast office, that's where I was recruited by Electronic Clearinghouse, the old Echo, back in 2005. So that's really how I grew up, where my schooling was on the East Coast, and then ultimately moved out to the West Coast and, and my entry into payments. Okay. So let's talk about Link to Pay now. So tell the audience what Link to Pay does. Sure. So Link to Pay is a payment technology company, deliver credit card, ACH, and check processing automation, as well as some payment integration tools to software partners. We serve B2B as well as B2C customers. We offer a white label payment solution platform for banks, channel partners, and those clients of those channel partners. We deliver our solutions through various different channels, direct, reseller, partner, and an agent distribution channel. And a little bit of history about the company. So we started out in the early 2000s, focused on the delivery of two products, RDC, the remote deposit capture product, and RCK, which is our return check collections product. So really the two foundational products that we built the business on and took to market for the better part of the first five to to eight years. But it's really been in the last eight to 10 years that we've focused our resources into developing what we believe is an all-encompassing platform complete with a full suite of credit, ACH, and automated risk and underwriting options. And really to do that, you know, to create what we believe is that all-encompassing platform, we've worked really closely with our partners over the years to understand their pain points, understand what they're going through in their day-to-day businesses, their competition with their competitors, their pain points, to create technology that we believe provides that frictionless experience. And I'll give you an example. So we process or we partner up with a lot of veterinarians these days. And so early on, we had to really sit down with the veterinarians and understand their business. You know, all veterinarians and all those doctor's offices are not the same. Some are just the traditional day in and day out pet care where you're bringing your dog or your cat in for their normal shots. But other veterinarians combine that day to day care with surgical centers. So trying to understand what that veterinarian needs from his side, but really what the end user, that customer is requiring. And when I say that, it's You know, the regular day-to-day care, somebody's going to come in, they're going to give them their credit card payment or a check to take care of that one office visit. But when you're talking about a surgical center, there are pretty big high tickets in terms of a pet has an unfortunate accident where now the pet is brought in to have a surgery. And, you know, those surgeries are very expensive. So understanding from the veterinarian side, getting those payments in a timely, orderly fashion. And from the end user side, being able to take multiple forms of payments or put in place payment plans. You know, so there's different aspects of working with our customers that we've had to learn over the years to understand truly what technology they need, what technology their end users are requiring, and the different forms of payments. So I think that really sums up the backbone of what Link to Pay is. We've really, we're a 
kind of a boutique shop where we're working closely with our partners and our customers to understand their pain points and create the differentiating solutions for them in their individual markets. Okay. And you mentioned, you know, the vet clinics as one market or vertical. Are there other verticals that you tend to focus on? Sure. There are other markets, you know, that we kind of specialize or hone in on the funeral industry, their self-storage. There's other doctors, traditional doctors, chiropractors. There are facial reconstruction or surgical centers that we do. We're really, we play in the mid-market space. We're not going after the big box retailers, the best buys of the world. We're really going after that mid-market tier where we are, again, working with those partners and those customers to create those differentiating solutions. Okay. And how big is the company? Link to Pay. So a little bit of background on Link to Pay. So we're a privately held company. We're providing payment technology solutions for about 8,500 plus businesses today. We're headquartered out in Oxnard, California which is about 45 minutes south of Santa Barbara and about an hour north of Los Angeles. Okay. And you talked about part of your value is being able to understand the customer and how they need to process payments. So obviously that's a differentiator, but what else would you say differentiates your company from the competitors out there? Sure. Yeah. You know, that's really the heart of you know, like I said, from a technology perspective of how we go to market and how we work with those customers, I think the differentiation is the technology that we have created, the automated onboarding risk and onboarding systems that we've put together. We've created specific technology for the B2B community. There's examples of the B2B space where we work with different plumbing supply stores who are then reselling their products and services to the folks that are going out there and renovating homes and renovating businesses. And those folks have payments out there, invoices out there, 30, 60, 90 days. We've created technologies to not only help bring on new customers and vet the fiscal responsibility of some of those customers, but then we've helped create technologies to speed up the receiving of that outstanding invoice and those monies coming in. Okay. And just curious with, you know, the last 12 months or so, really a lot of e-commerce transactions have moved online into e-commerce. Has that had a positive or negative effect on your business at all? I think it has, when you talk about COVID and what it has presented to our business, I think it's more or less been, I would categorize it not as a positive or a negative. I would categorize it as it has created opportunities from a technology perspective. I think the behaviors of the end user have changed, as we all know, and it has created opportunities for us to present different forms of payment acceptance to those customers. Yeah. And that kind of leads into the next question, which is post-COVID or say the next two to three years, where do you see the payments industry heading? Yeah, that's a great question, right? And like we just talked about, I think the answer to that has a lot to do with what we've experienced in the last 10 months. You know, I believe that the pandemic has really shifted the consumer behavior dramatically. We talked a little bit about consumer card present transactions. You know, those were heavily impacted by the shutdowns. And I think as a result of that, you've seen, like you said, more e-commerce online transactions. You've seen in-app purchases. Text-to-pay is another payment acceptance that we've seen an increase of. And then another one that we've seen that's kind of blooming is a subscription model. 
And really, those are the four that we've seen have really increased as a result of COVID. And really, if I sum up COVID, I think it sped up the technology timelines to the forms of payment acceptance that we didn't see becoming the commonplace right now, right? We had seen these things coming down the line. They all been in our product roadmaps. And we're sitting here forecasting that those forms of payment acceptance will come to be commonplace in years to come. But I think what COVID has done has sped that up. We all go to the grocery store now in a very different way. We're either ordering online, we're ordering in our app, and we're having curbside pickup, or in some instances, some of those businesses are delivering those products and services from the grocery store to our homes. You know, I can speak to some of my own experiences living here in Texas. You know, when we shut down, like the other states, I witnessed the businesses around me immediately shifting to order ahead and curbside and literally bringing that technology like the wireless terminals outside to the side of the car to accept that payment. When we did start to loosen the restrictions here in Texas, we experienced in-person dining at a very reduced capacity rate, and things started to change within that setting. You no longer had physical menus. You would go into a restaurant and you'd get to a table and there'd be a QR code on the table. Take a picture of that and it would redirect you to an online menu. So I think that in some of the other examples of maybe behavioral change would be the increase of Uber Eats or Grubhub, right? right? Those cars and those trucks are circling the neighborhoods delivering food. So I think COVID has really shifted the behavior of all of us dramatically. And I think another really important one that I mentioned before is the subscription models. You know, the, the movie industry has not stopped in a sense of putting out films and putting out content for folks to see. We're just not going into the physical movie theaters anymore. Things such as HBO Max and Disney Plus have been created and are really seeing a dramatic increase in bringing that content and bringing that now experience to home, right? So all of us are able to see a new release of a movie at home. And that subscription model, I think, is flourishing. You know, Netflix was there before, but I think now you're seeing HBO Max and Disney Plus really exploding in the last year. So I think the behaviors are dictating now the technology. Now there's work to be done to further perfect the frictionless experience, but I think in the meantime, the behaviors have really dramatically changed all of our product roadmaps. Sure. So do you think that those behaviors are going to go back to where they were before COVID or what's your kind of thoughts on that? I think it'll be a mixture of both. I think we'll all go back to shopping in grocery stores, but there'll be a percentage of folks that have now seen the ease of ordering online and maybe picking up at curbside or being you know, delivered to their home. You know, I think there's another example, key example too of, of COVID is the fitness industry, right? The in-person gyms, while here in Texas, they are open at reduced capacity. You have, again, those subscription models, the Pelotons of the world, the mirrors, really are bringing now fitness home. So I think folks will now get into a spot where they're used to this experience. Some will stay, but I think some will go back and migrate back to that traditional in-person experience. Yeah. And then you talked about, you know, the technology, you know, I've heard the stats where people have talked about, yeah, that was on our, you know, roadmap for sometime between now and five years from now. And we had to execute on it in six months. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think one of the big products that we have that's resonating in the marketplace right now is instant merchant settlement. 
So as businesses are trying to get back up and are trying to open at those reduced capacities, we have a product in the marketplace, Instant Merchant Settlement, where it allows a restaurant, a business now to take transactions in. And at various points of the day, they're able to batch out that transaction and realize the settlement of those sales immediately. You know, folks are struggling out there right now as they're coming back up into the market. They need cash to pay their folks, their resources. They need cash to pay for their supplies, right? They really need to pay the bills of not only their lease or their utilities. So that's one product that we've put out in the marketplace a little over a year ago, specifically in this COVID environment has hit home. Yeah. And, you know, care to take the crystal ball out and guess what it's going to look like 10 years from now? Well, again, I think our behaviors are going to continue to dictate that. I think there's going to be, you know, an increased need for real-time payments, you know, authorizing transactions immediately. I think the requirements around that and the regulations are going to change. I don't think the need for technology is going to go away. I don't foresee Amazon and UPS and those FedEx fleets that are canvassing our neighborhoods going away. But I think there's going to be an increased need of or an increased presence of artificial intelligence. You know, we talked about in-app purchases, you know, there's the biometrics, you know, that's another thing that, again, was on the product roadmaps of many of us, but I think is going to be pushed into the forefront now. And, you know, that frictionless experience around those different form of payment acceptance are really going to be prevalent now for the next two to three to four to five years. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about you. So tell us about your journey and how you got to the role of the chief revenue officer there at Link to Pay. Sure. I think I have to go back to the first stop in the journey. And we talked about it a little bit in the beginning, you know, when I landed at Electronic Clearinghouse in 2005. You know, we often talk about the people who have impacted our lives or our careers You know, well, I met that game changer in 2005 when I was brought on Electronic Clearinghouse. You know, the day that I started there, a gentleman named Chuck Harris joined the company as president and CEO. Chuck was an industry veteran, having spent years in the leadership positions at Chase Payment Tech and Merchant Link. And getting to meet Chuck and getting to work with him, you know, Chuck taught me a lot about payments and how to be an effective leader in payments, but most importantly, what it took to help people succeed. You know, and that's both internally and externally. And it really hit home. In the office, you know, he always taught me that you have to be visible, approachable, and present. And I've carried that throughout my leadership positions, all my stops throughout my career. I've got made sure that I've gotten out on the floor and talked to the people that I've worked with, understand what they're experiencing, their day-to-day experiences. You know, who are they talking to on the phone, whether it's the call center or a relationship manager? those customer complaints or their customer kudos, you know, you really have to get out there and you have to gain that firsthand knowledge. And I really, I believe that you can't do that from behind the desk, Greg. Part of the, you know, the reason 14 years ago, I converted over to a stand-up desk is because it, it just can't be still, right? You have to be out there amongst your team members. You have to be out there learning what's going on in the business that you're a part of and those customers, And externally, it carries over. It really isn't any different. And you have to be in front of partners and customers and their customers. And like we just talked about in some of those other examples with the veterinarians, you have to be in front of those people to learn what their businesses are going through and how those businesses are competing and they're succeeding and failing. I take a moment from time to time and I think about the trips, 
and the air miles sitting in those airplane seats and all those miles and the hotel nights and really know that if it wasn't for being in front of those people, being in front of those folks at trade shows in their offices, I wouldn't be here speaking to you today. I really wouldn't have partners or team members not only follow me from stop to stop, but have become friends and dear colleagues to this day. And, you know, you mentioned speaking all the way, getting that journey line, if you will, to my current role as chief revenue officer here at Link to Pay. I'm responsible for all the sales and the sales related activities here at Link to Pay. I'm driving product strategy, everything that has to do with product generating revenue, sales teams, and partner acquisition. That's what I'm responsible for here at Link to Pay. Okay. And what is one thing that you're passionate about, maybe one thing work-related and one thing more personal? Yeah, I think you might have heard of the tone in, in some of my answers. You know, people are really a passion of mine, and I can't stress it enough. I've had some great people in my life that have showed me how to be successful both personally and professionally. And it's really the people aspect of my everyday life that is just so passionate. And I really look forward to getting back in front of people and creating some of those new partnerships and new solutions together from the business side. From a professional side, my wife and I, you know, I have two beautiful daughters who are really passionate about their soccer, volleyball and golf endeavors. And we spend a lot of time at their different sporting events. COVID has kind of restricted some of that travel but here in Texas, we're still able to participate in many of their sporting events and really getting to, we've moved here in Texas about six years ago and, and have enjoyed, really enjoy the experience here of experiencing the culture and the great barbecue Texas has to offer. And to sum it really all up, as these vaccines are coming into the public, we hope to get back on the road because we do like to travel very much as a family. Yeah, I think there's a lot of pent up demand for traveling and not just traveling, but to your point, getting back in front of people. I mean, Zoom can only do so much, right? Right. I totally agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I started in this industry about the same time you did 2005 with Chase Payment Tech, and I sort of fell into the industry. I didn't look at payments and say, hey, I want to be, you know, be someone in payments. Just kind of happened. And I think that has sort of changed over the years. I think in the last few years, with the amount of investment and visibility and, you know, the creation of the word fintech and all of the buzz that that gets, I mean, it's become sort of a sexy industry to be in. And I think people coming out of school today look at it as an industry that they're interested in and interested in having a career in. So as someone that's been in the industry for a few years, what would your advice be to those people coming, say, right out of college that want to get in this industry? What would you tell them to do to be successful? Yeah, sure. I mean, like you said, the world is so different from 2005. I didn't come out of school looking to go into payments. I was in the financial services world and, and kind of found my way into payments. And I think, like you said, the tools and the resources are so different. People are really coming into our industry from different industries or verticals or straight out of college with a really a drive to be in payments. You know, I think, with, like you said, the disruptors that are coming into our industry, the Apples, the Googles, the Amazons, the name a few, tech is really the backbone of now why people are coming into our industry. And we talked earlier in the discussions about the need for technology and the differentiation that we've created through technology. People are coming in now with that backbone, that technology background. And really now they just need to add the payments piece 
And I think somebody coming in new to the industry really needs to take advantage of some of the tools that are available to them right out of the gate. And those tools, really the number one tool for me is the Electronic Transaction Association, the ETA. It was very instrumental for me when I came into the industry. And I think it's going to be very instrumental for folks coming in today, tomorrow, and in the future. You know, the ETA is, has really set up the programs, right, and the communication and the information exchange for folks who are not in our industry. And that's sharing of industry knowledge, but that's also sharing of regulations that are being handed down in different legislation that's affecting our industry. The ETA has done a phenomenal job of setting up really the framework to provide all of that information back and forth. They have different committees that folks can participate in an annual basis. We have our annual and regional meetings. So I would say I would give some advice to somebody coming into the industry to get involved, right? To get involved with our industry association. It's not only a great way to meet people, it's a great additional way to get folks to know about your company, but then also gives you really that well-rounded background as to what's going on in our industry, how legislation is impacting our industry, and then maybe what is going to be on the forefront from a technology perspective going into the future. Yeah, I think that's great advice. I think that that's something that I didn't do early in my career was get involved enough broadly across the industry. I really, you know, stayed focused on my job and my company. So I think that's great advice to gain that knowledge, join those organizations, get involved. I think that's great advice. Bill, we've covered a lot of ground. We've talked about Link to Pay and a little bit about your background in the industry as a whole. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? I just want to thank you for this great experience. It's a great medium to share backgrounds and share thoughts of different leaders in our industry. And uh, thank you very much for the opportunity. Absolutely. So, Bill, thank you so much for being on the show today. I know your time is very valuable, so I really appreciate you being here. So thank you so much. Thank you. Great. And to all you listeners out there, I thank you for your time as well. And until the next story. Thank you for joining us this week on the Leaders in Payments podcast. Make sure you visit our website at leadersinpayments.com, where you can subscribe to the show and where you'll find our show notes. If you enjoyed listening, please share on your social channels as well. 